Hi everybody, this is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I mentioned a few seconds ago, I'm Hub, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. This is the part of the show where we shake this old crackerjack box of a head of mine and see what prizes fall out. Hmm. Oh, oh dear. Nothing's falling out. It appears I've eaten the Cracker Jack prize. I think we've all done that from time to time. It's probably become easier lately than I'm pretty sure nowadays it's all like just download codes and pieces of paper instead of like weird plastic rings and stuff. It's kind of a shame. Oh dear, this thing's becoming a bit more freeform than I'd thought. Anyway, the mention of Cracker Jacks uh, reminded me of an idea that I had. Now... I don't know if any of you are high-priced businessmen. Is that a thing? High-priced businessmen? Yeah, let's say it is. No, I don't know if any of you are high-priced businessmen who have power meetings and things. I don't actually know what businessmen do or how business works. But statistically, there's literally thousands of you out there, which is crazy to me. So I'm going to assume at least one of you is a high-priced businessman who has business meetings and does business things, wearing suits, eating in restaurants, making power plays. Anyway, here's my suggestion that you should do if you are having a business meeting in a Chinese restaurant. Like, you're negotiating some kind of a deal, you're wearing suits, or pantsuits, either way, they've got shoulder pads, because... In my mind, all business takes place in the mid to late 80s. In the process of negotiating a deal, the check comes. The other guy gets the check. Oh shit, that's supposed to be your power move where you get the check and you insist on paying it. Here's what you do. That person you're negotiating with, they get their fortune cookie. They're all smug about the fact that they got to pay the bill. Oh, that smug bastard. Opens up his fortune, reads it, probably makes something up that it says about how like, looks like you'll get a great deal in a deal take the advantage of somebody who doesn't have the power play move to pay the check. Oh dear, but here's where you get him. You just take your fortune cookie, you pop that whole fortune cookie in your mouth, and you just eat it. Whole thing. Don't take the fortune out. And he'll just be like, aren't you going to read your fortune? You're like, fortune, fortune? (laughs) I'll read it later. For now, I'm making my own fortune. I think that's a pretty good power play. Although... As I'm saying it, I do realize that it does imply that later you're going to sift through your poop to find a piece of paper that you ate. But I think maybe that implies that you're crazy, which I think is a good move to have if you're negotiating something. Probably. As I said, I don't really know how business works. Anyway, you guys want to talk about some comics? I think that'll be fun. Without any further ado, let's ado this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Jamie Green. I think I forgot to credit him on the last one that he submitted. So thanks, Jamie, and thanks for the last one that you did. Like a glass of water distilled down to some droplets, here's the story synthesized down to a synopsis. Synopsis. Thanks, Jamie. Defenders, number six, June 1973. The Dreams of Death. Written by Steve Englehart, drotted by Sal Buscema, with inks by Frank McLaughlin. Defenders Roll Call, Doctor Strange, Valkyrie, the Submariner, and the Silver Surfer. A boisterous Silver Surfer is channeling his inner starfire and soaring above New York City's skyline, loudly proclaiming what a beautiful day it is. Huh. 
I mean, I'm glad the dude isn't going full Morrissey anymore, but it might be nice if he had some settings between Hamlet and the emotional equivalent of a Lisa Frank folder. Speaking of the Great Dane, and for once I don't mean Marmaduke, the surfer actually quotes Hamlet, as he notes that while he feels bad about acting like such a crazy asshole the last time he hung out with the Defenders, it's nice to know that despite being dipped in chrome, he still has enough of his humanity intact to suffer the thousand natural shocks the flesh is heir to, and act like a crazy asshole from time to time. Couple of things about that. One, you're not human. You're from Zenla. Shouldn't that be your Zenla anity that's intact enough for you to act like a crazy asshole? And B, how far are you going to push that positive attitude shit, Norrin? When you've got crippling space diarrhea, are you stoked that your Zenla anity is intact enough for you to suffer the thousand unpleasant cramps the bowels are heir to before your shiny butt cosmic blasts a gas station restroom to smithereens? Sorry. Anyway... Now that the surfer is manic rather than depressive, he reckons that his first order of business is to apologize to Steve Strange for yelling at him the last time they hung out. He rolls up on Steve's Sanctum Sanctorum to say, sorry, but finds that the Greenwich Village brownstone is sealed in a weird glowing cube of energy. Almost like some kind of cosmic barrier. Well, old Norinrad knows how to deal with those. After stopping to chat with a cop and internally noting that not even he can keep track of whether or not Steve is keeping his powers a secret these days, the surfer does what he does best. He revs up his board and slams into the cosmic barrier headfirst like a confused pigeon flying into a glass door. Hooray! The surfer's kamikaze bird impression goes significantly better for him than it does most of the time, and rather than knocking himself unconscious for a couple of days, the Chrome Crusader manages to burst through the glowing cube and he only destroyed one building in the process. Hooray! Once he has pierced the barrier, Norrin finds that Strange, Valkyrie, and Namor are barricaded inside Steve's apartment under siege by a horde of those dudes in green clansman robes that we saw last issue. The invading force is being led by a dude wearing what appears to be a Burger King-style cardboard crown, slightly modified to be shaped like a candle flame. It is not a look that inspires a lot of confidence. His name is Cyrus Black, and he is trying really hard to get people to call him the nickname The Devil Incarnate. Dude, that's not how nicknames work. If they did, a lot more people would be calling me The Velvet Rope. You know, because you think I'm soft, but if you cross me, you're in big trouble. Eh? Velvet Rope. Cyrus refers to himself as The Devil Incarnate like four times, but it really isn't catching on. I mean... Namor says it once, but he uses quotation marks around it, so I'm pretty sure he's making fun of Cyrus when he says it. The defenders are doing a pretty good job thwarting the siege. Steve says he thinks he might have encountered a minor magician by the name of Cyrus Black one time, but he's not sure. Dude, harsh. Cyrus hears that and gets super pissed. He summons all of his mystical might and summons some strange and eldritch ladders for the color-swapped clansmen to climb up. Ooh, ladders. Maybe he is the devil incarnate. The defenders are not impressed, and proceed to condescendingly lecture Cyrus as they thwart his forces. He hates that. As a last-ditch effort, the malignant minor magician flings some magic bolts in Steve's window. They almost hit the statue-fied Black Knight that Strange has in his den, which distracts the non-team of heroes long enough for Cyrus to make his escape. Wonder if that's how he got out of Azkaban. Once the siege is over... The surfer apologizes to Steve and Namor for being such a dick the last time they hung out. The duo of defenders say not to worry about it and are probably pretty confused. I mean, apologizing for being a dick is a pretty foreign concept to both of them. 
Val and the surfer introduce themselves and instantly bond over the fact that they both like to wallow in existential angst. Seeing that Val's only a few months old and Norrin has a lot more experience wallowing in existential angst than she does, he offers to give her a tour of the planet. She accepts his offer. Namor invites himself along, saying that he had been planning on mansplaining the Earth to Val anyway, and the unlikely trio fly off on their quick world tour, with Namor and Norrin acting as a pair of misanthropic Henry Higginses to Val's badass mythical feminist Eliza Doolittle. Man, would I watch the fuck out of that musical. Meanwhile, at Cyrus Black's shitty apartment, the self-styled Devil Incarnate is super pissed off. He starts punching books and knocking shit over. Turns out he has been training for years and years, killing people and reading secret forbidden books, just trying to make himself more powerful. And then shitty old Steve Strange still slaps him around like it ain't no thing. Bummer. Cyrus starts stroking his rat to calm himself down. That's not a metaphor, he has a pet rat named Nebuchadnezzar. The second-rate sorcerer confides his insecurities to his rodent pal, but he's still pretty stressed out. So he decides to light his brazier and inhale the smoke of some particularly powerful Jamaican incense he got recently. Aw, yeah. Now we're talking. The stoned sorcerer falls into a deep, incense-induced slumber. He dreams that his pet rat has grown to enormous proportions and is trying to eat him. Oh, snap. Cyrus awakes from his dope-addled dream only to find that Nebuchadnezzar really has become Brobdignation in stature. The giant rodent soon returns to his original size, but Cyrus has just figured out some new shit. If he gets stoned enough, his dreams become reality. Well, that's just a good lesson for everyone to learn. Armed with this new knowledge, the inspired incense inhaler starts leafing through his forbidden monster manuals, packs a green hit of incense into his brazier, and starts programming his dreams so he can go all lathe of heaven on Steve and his super-powered buddies. Meanwhile, Val, Namor, and the Surfer are returning from their whirlwind Welcome to Earth tour. As they arrive back at the Sanctum, they are greeted by a worried Doctor Strange who seems to sense that some shit is about to go down. Sure enough, the Defenders are soon attacked by the monsters that Cyrus had been reading bedtime stories about. The mighty non-team of heroes manage to dispatch their mythical assailants, but no sooner do they do so than they are attacked by a new foe. A super beefy, extra powerful version of Cyrus himself. The stoned somnambulist apparently has a dream warrior version of himself who is super muscly and dresses like a cross between the Black Knight and Hyperion from the Squadron Supreme. In his dream form, Cyrus blasts Doctor Strange with some mystic bolts. The defenders attack their 420 friendly foe, but to no avail. Apparently, the dream avatar of Cyrus Black is nigh invulnerable when he's blasting. Sorry. He is, though. After a couple of minutes, Namor realizes that despite the fact that he hasn't taken a dip in a while, he doesn't seem to be suffering from the usual effects of dehydration. Something must be amiss. The Avenging Prince of Atlantis then makes an intuitive leap that would make the Hulk proud and figures out that they must be living in a version of reality that is defined by Cyrus's imagination. That is some powerful figure in Namor. He starts yelling at Cyrus to wake up and remember what a stupid loser he is. The brazier blazing mage resists the information at first, insisting that he is not asleep and has always been super muscly and powerful, but he eventually succumbs to Namor's unrelenting combination of objective reporting and yelling. The drug-induced dream warrior avatar disappears, and Cyrus Black wakes up back in his shitty old apartment. In a rare burst of self-awareness, the devil incarnate notes that even in his dreams, he always loses. He reckons he's going to take a long, hard look at himself and then probably give up. He leaves his apartment, presumably, to embark on a journey of self-discovery. Hey Cyrus, 
If in the course of your sojourn, you decide you want to get a new nickname, I want to remind you of one thing. The velvet rope is taken. And joining us once again is my good friend, many things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. So, do you find that when you light some particularly strong Jamaican <laughs> incense, that you feel that you are thoroughly protected from any intrusions from the outside world? It depends. Like, if I don't leave my house, it's pretty good, but otherwise, not so much. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's the way, obviously, Jamaican incense works, uh-huh. is nothing can come over to your house and bug you. <laughs> what do you think of the issue? I had a lot of laughs. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. In a certain sense, not a ton happens, and the only real character growth that we see is from a one-off villain. Mm-hmm. Really, he, he seems like a one-and-done Cyrus Black but I really enjoyed that. He struggles, all the poor guy. He sure does. It made me wonder to what extent Cyrus Black was a stand-in for Steve Englehart. Oh, really? Yeah. The ending made me wonder that, and the fact that he so obviously just tries his best, but when he fails, he has to go home and get stoned in his apartment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from, from what I've read about Steve Englehart, especially during this time, made me wonder to what extent... He may have been a stand-in for the writer. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. What stuck out to you about the issue? I feel also that that this is one of those occasions where the Silver Surfer seems to be kind of a bipolar character where he really bounces back and forth between gloomy and like super stoked on humanity. He comes as close as he ever has to just coming out and saying that. He shows up and talks about like, well, it's a good day today, so I am up on life. It's a beautiful city. I'm having a great time. Even at that point, he's quoting some Hamlet, which is very appropriate because he is definitely a Mm. brooding Dane of a character. Uh, (laughs) About half the time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, at one point he even says, when the silver surfer is in the mood for company, the more the merrier. I want as many people around me as possible when I want anyone around me. Yeah, which is not often. But sometimes. Yeah, I'm almost grateful that there was that weird glowing cube around Doc's house because I feel like otherwise he might have just swooped down, picked up Namor again and just Smashed happy him slammed him through a few buildings. Well, he did destroy a building on the way in in typical fashion. He's right. Like, Oops, couldn't stop in time. Oh, well. <laughs> he did a pretty good job with that. I like that when he shows up too, there's a nice little moment where his first interactions with the civilians that have gathered around the barrier, one of them doesn't recognize him or is like, I think I know that guy. He's like the silver swimmer, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, no, I'm the Silver Surfer. I also like that the cops immediately defer to him, even though they don't know who he is. They're like, oh, you're one of those super guys. You outrank us. Here's what's going on, sir. <laughs> Dude, if I was a cop and there was a psychedelic glowing cube around <laughs> And house, a shiny silver man shows up, you're like, okay, well, I'm guessing you're in charge. Yep. Here's go, what's going on. Go right ahead. I, I liked those interactions. There's a weird thing going on where... I, I don't know to what extent Val is kind of oblivious for it, but it really seems as though both Namor and the Surfer are kind of vying for her attention. Yep. Yeah, it was strange. What did you think of, of that? I, I found it amusing, but also pretty out of character, I thought, for Namor, because there's a scene in which he appears to be distinctly jealous like, to the degree that he's kind of off-put by that Silver Surfer invited Val to go, like, see the world with him. <laughs> well, I don't know how out of character that is. I mean, Namor is, at this point in the comic book con- continuity, uh, canonically, 
very attracted to strong blonde women. Mm. We have Betty Dean or Betty Prentice Knee Dean, who we have seen he has a very close relationship with. And we also have he has professed his love many times for Sue Storm, the invisible woman. Yeah, I don't mean his affections being placed that way. I mean more so him showing an outward reaction that some other guy could like ruffle his feathers whatsoever. He, I feel like he gets kind of snooty and just like, I don't know if it would be necessarily jealousy, but he does kind of wounded dignity a fair amount, I feel. This is a slight against me. I am the Submariner. Yeah, but in the scene, I you really got to see the picture where his arms are crossed super defensively and he's like raising an eyebrow. See, to like, me, well, that is I'm... kind of the definitive Namor pose. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly the panel you're talking about. I think it's great. There is also, when they get back, so Silver Surfer is, to me, his interest in Val is more uncharacteristic than Namor. Just because we always see him pining for his lost love back on Zen La. And this is the first time I've I've seen him be like, oh, uh, maybe I could show you all of the world and we could go look at it together. We can have our little Aladdin moment. I think that that's was that that's after they have their sort of bonding moment though about being like sprung fully formed into their <laughs> current state and they're just like like yeah totally me too how weird is that hey, let's yeah do and then Namor's like um me too I want to show her how things run on this planet I was previously doing that and I should like to continue that yeah I I actually really I like that dynamic I don't feel like there needs to be a romantic element for it for them to just be kind of a little bit jealous about each other's relationship with Val because she's clearly somebody that they both respect and like a lot. Mm-hmm. I was especially amused when they get back from their trip. Val's very diplomatic response to the Silver Surfer when she says, <laughs> Dude, you're That was crazy. really interesting. <laughs> uh, I don't necessarily agree with all of your viewpoints, but I'm very glad to have heard them. Uh-huh. That is very diplomatic for Val. I wish I could hear the crazy shit that he I saying. really do. Like, is he just saying some <laughs> hollow earth shit? Is he like, and this is where probably the lizard people are taking over our planet as we speak. See, all of the crazy conspiracy theory shit that I can think of, it's like, oh, but it's the Marvel Universe, so that actually is kind of what's mm-hmm. happening. Like, the Illuminati are kind of running things. Here's where I befriended a tribe of yetis and taught them the way of fire. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering to what extent his viewpoints that Val doesn't quite agree with him on are him like just being like, no, you straight up have to do some awesome pre-Boaz anthropology Mm -hmm. and colonialism and subjugate the lesser beings and educate them. And Val's like, that's very interesting. Don't give them weapons, though. I'm glad to hear your viewpoints on this. Can we go back to Doctor Strange's house? Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange doesn't seem to have any romantic interest in Val. But she is has been his house guest for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like his interest in her and why he especially values her above others as a house guest is there's something that he says it stuck out to me first because he fucked up the silver surfer's home planet name he's like oh excuse me valkyrie i forgot you know so little of this world this is the silver surfer a man from the planet zeon law now trapped on earth he's an old ally of namor's and mine do you think they did that on purpose 
I don't know. I like to think so. Mm. I like to think that, that that's just the way. They're like, actually writing him as a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gets written as a dick a few times in this issue that I actually really enjoyed. But that is one example of it. But I also feel like he's like, oh, it's somebody who he can talk down to because she is literally yeah. new on Earth. So he has an excuse to explain everything to her. Oh, God, she must hate that. I think that might be why she's like, oh, you want to give me a tour of every place else other than this apartment in the world? Yeah. Yeah, guys, let's fucking hit it. Yeah. And Dr. Strange was like, but I was going to explain to you how chairs work. (laughs) I forget you're new. On our world, we use chairs to sit upon. (laughs) You place your bottom on the top of the chair. It's quite ironic. (laughs) Oh, chairs. Anyway. (laughs) So I think he specifically values having Val around for the mansplaining. Sure. There was something that I didn't particularly dig about this. I feel like they walked back Val's feminism a little bit. And I'm wondering to what extent that was the writer's choice and to what extent that was maybe some editorial pushback. Hmm. It had been explained in the previous issue that, yes, she has just been sprung fully formed like Athena into the world. And here it is explained that, no, she's more of a fusion between Barbara Norris and this magical being. And that I'm going to find the quote because I want to get it right to see if I am, in fact, interpreting it. No, I got that, too. Basically, like, but the Valkyrie side is stronger, so I say some crazy shit sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I say this crazy feminist shit because of an evil spell, you know? Like, that's that's spells and shit. What can you do? Sorry. Don't call me a lady. I'm sorry. That's part of the Enchantress's spell talking. See, I was created by the Sorceress by fusing an existing personality, the fiercely liberated Valkyrie, with the personality of a living woman. So yeah, that was not how she was presented as a character before. And I feel like this is a compromise and not a great one. I kind of hope it's editorial pushback and not just Engelhart walking back the character some. Like apologizing for her agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Which I, I find kind of unsettling. It, it, it really is. It just comes across in that one panel. But it was kind of jarring to me and pretty disappointing to me as well. And I feel like there's been a little bit of that in every issue since her debut a couple issues ago. In the last one, they set her up as being less of the, I don't hate men, I just know that I'm as good as them, and made her a little bit more combative and gave her some elements of misandry. And here they're reinforcing that and kind of doubling down on it and saying like, no, it's an evil spell that makes me so... Such a shrill harpy as a Mm -hmm. feminist. Don't get me wrong. I'm not really a feminist. It's this evil spell. And I hope that that is mitigated in her further appearances. But it's kind of a bummer to see it rear its head. Because I liked her original incantation. Mm -hmm. Incarnation? Uh, You were just putting your strange on it. That's okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So do you think that the tour that Val and... Namor and the Silver Surfer went on was mostly just them flying over places and Namor and the Silver Surfer taking turns going like, okay, so down there are some fools, some contemptible <laughs> fools. Okay, those are surface dwelling fools. The Silver Surfer interrupted me like, no, 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 those are warmongering fools. <laughs> I bet that's exactly how it went. But on to happier topics, Cyrus Black. You know, that name 
was reminding me of the the Harry Potter. Yeah, Gary was that Gary Oldman who played him in the movie. I haven't actually seen the movies, but I read the it's Sirius Black. Right, like so, the, it's so close. Yeah, I, I wonder almost, if that's where they got the idea, or if it's the same dude. Like when he walks out the door at the end, maybe he's just like, "Man, I'm gonna put my Hogwarts education to better use." I've got this godson. Gotta get out of the the Marvel universe and go go try my hand somewhere else. Look, they're both owned by Disney, so it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he has an interesting arc in this. And it is another example of Steve coming across as a dick. Where he does some inadvertent shit talking. Which I feel like all of Doctor Strange's shit talking, and there's a ton of it, he tries to play off as like, What?! What did I say? Yeah, to a degree I see that, but I think the majority of it is him just being completely unaware of yeah. what a dick he's being. <laughs> <laughs> because he, yeah, he describes while they're in a pitch battle, it's like, oh, you guys, this is Sirius Black. He's a very minor magician. I think we met a while ago, but I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> It's like, that's the whole fucking reason you have this problem is because you act like that. <laughs> this is why everybody tries to kill you, Steve. Yeah. That's literally what's happening right now, Steve. Come on, man. I also like how ineffectual the green-robed clansmen are. Mm-hmm. We see them back again, and just everybody just slaps them around. And there's a, a panel in which uh, I think it's the Silver Surfer when he first shows up. It's like, oh my gosh, they're attacking the building. And then there's like little guys like literally like stabbing the door. <laughs> like, All the of their attacks are so funny to me <laughs> that Sirius Black, or I'm sorry, Cyrus Black <laughs> has been studying for years and has literally killed people to look at these texts to get a little bit more knowledge and a little bit more power. The kind of power that has almost literally fallen into Steve's lap uh, his whole life. We really get more of a glance at how the rest of the magical community responds to how privileged Doctor Strange is. Not just with his wealth and high-handedness, but also the fact that he just lucked into having the most powerful sorcerer in the world be his mentor. But so Cyrus has, has scrapped together and has really grown and now feels himself to be a match for Doctor Strange. But his spells are so fucking lame. He's like, oh, you think we can't attack you? Well, look, I'm going to use my magic to make some ladders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the magic ladders really cracked me up for some reason. Well, the, the clans henchmen couldn't get into the building by stabbing it, so they <laughs> had to climb up the ladders. I don't even the think they tried stabbing hard enough. But yeah, that's the extent of his magic is uh, until he gets super, super high. To the extent of his <laughs> magic is that he makes some ladders and he tries to open some doors. Mm-hmm. And then Doctor Strange makes him fall asleep, so he just kind of lashes out and almost breaks Steve's statue. So then everybody pays attention because that statue is really a dude. Mm-hmm. But that is the extent of his hard-won powers. He does threaten to turn someone to slime, but it's, I think, a hollow threat. Yeah, I could threaten to turn someone into slime. We don't mm-hmm. see any proof that that's something he's capable of. Nope. Then he just goes home and gets high and hangs out with his rat. Yeah, and then has fucking bad dreams, man. Uh, That is what can happen if the Jamaican incense you light in your brazier is, as this stuff is, more powerful than the previous Jamaican incense that he has lit in his brazier. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he got some... Some high-grade creeper, and it just snuck up on him. And I can identify 
like back in New Hampshire, the Jamaican incense that we got, it was like this dried up brown stuff. Yeah, not very effective. But like now, like Cyrus Black, he's in New York City. He's in the big city. He's got some Jamaican incense, got some, some nice purple hair, some yeah. like orange threads coming through it. Yeah, shiny. Oh, man. Crystalline. It's probably got some funny names. Yeah. <laughs> Tootie Fruity. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Jamaican Incense Thunderfuck. <laughs> he wasn't prepared. No, man. And so, yeah, he starts just dreaming up a storm, and he thinks that his, his rat turns into a giant rat and is going to eat him. He also does something which really also made me go, oh, Cyrus. He swears an oath where he says, by Umar the Unspeakable. Yeah, wait a minute, dude. Yeah. You can't just say that. <laughs> Steve says some dumb shit. Doc Strange is always like, by the hoary hosts of Hogoth. And yeah, it's dumb to call a dude the nameless one, because that gets you into a weird catch-22 if that's his name. But to literally swear an oath by something that's unspeakable? Come on, buddy. That unspeakable whatever is just gonna like shaking his head somewhere, just feeling like, ah, Well I'm not giving him any power. I think for you, Cyrus. <laughs> gonna take that back. <laughs> Shouldn't have killed that dude for a two hundred year old book that's banned everywhere on earth. Nope. Privileges revoked. Ah, oh, jeez. So yeah, so he goes back to then he goes back to his apartment, smokes the super I'm I'm sorry. Relaxes to the super powerful Jamaican incense. Right, big bowl of it. Big bowl of Jamaican incense in the brazier. And then goes all lathe of heaven. His dreams start coming true. He uses the dreams to fight the defenders. Namor does a great job of figuring out pretty much what's going on. Just He's like, normally I get weaker when I'm out of water after a while. So here's exactly what is happening. Can you explain how did that happen? I thought it was cool he figured it out, but I didn't quite understand how he was able to piece it together so quickly. Okay. You know the movie Vernon, Florida? Of course. Okay. It's a documentary. It's Errol Morris's first documentary about a town in Florida that gets sprayed with insecticide all the time and everybody in it's crazy. Pretty much. Pretty much. Okay. You remember the guy in it who says, Oh, so this <laughs> is reality? Yep. Ha! I never thought of that. Yeah. Namor is so in tune with reality that when elements of the unreal creep in, he, he realizes that he is living in someone else's dream. Or that there is a dream, like, that this is not reality. Because in reality... He gets weaker if he is out of water for a long period of time. Not like a straight up Aqualad mm -hmm. situation, but kind of analogous. So he hasn't gotten any weaker. So he's like, something weird is going on. So I guess their whole fight is kind of taking place within a dream logic situation. And he figures that out. Like, I think other clues may have been Namor's teeth started falling out. <laughs> or Doctor Strange was late to take a test that he hadn't studied for. Mm -hmm. Or the Silver Surfer was running really, really fast, but he was moving really, really slowly. Yeah. And also, that guy was his dad, but that's not really his dad. Uh -huh. But it was also his friend Brett from fourth grade. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. These are other clues that they could have pierced together to, to make okay. it realize yeah. that they're no, in I didn't, a dream. I didn't, I didn't catch that before, but that makes sense now that, you, now that you've shared Yeah, that. I think his main clue was Namor noticed that A, he was not getting weaker from not being exposed to water, mm -hmm. and two, there was a guy that was his friend Brett, but it didn't look like his friend Brett, and also it was his dad, and he had to take a test. 
Yeah. I mean, most of that was implied. Mm -hmm. But the way he raised that eyebrow, you could pretty much tell. Wow. Good good on you. I've been reading comics for a very long time, Corey. I can see that. Yeah. (laughs) Now the water thing makes sense. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Namor did a good job with that. He really figured shit out, and then and then uh, Val pours a pitcher of water over his over his head, and it's like, is this good? Is this what you like? (laughs) That was a that scene amused me. That was cute too. I I dug it. This also is the second Defenders issue in a row where somebody breaks a bong. Huh? The last issue. Val's walking down the street looking real, real good, mm-hmm. and Bald Alan Moore drops a bong and scares a cat. I remember. This issue, old Cyrus is freaking out because he can't handle his shit, which, hey, I can identify with. And as he says, by the unspeakable Umar, he knocks over that bong. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to keep track of this. I might go back and take a look at the first few issues. See if there are any bongs getting broken in those issues. Add a bong drop category. You know who I missed, though? Hmm. The Hulk. Yeah. No, the Hulk in this issue. Yeah, why is that? Did they explain before he had important things to do where he was just... No, I think they're trying to drive home the fact that this is not a team. They they keep saying it, and <laughs> they're, I think they're just like, well, I don't have any reason why the Hulk would be hanging out with them, so I guess he isn't. We explain that Namor has been explaining to Val how the world is. And they flew back to Strange's apartment after the, at the end of the last issue. And we got the Silver Surfer showing up and Val is Strange's house guest. I think they just couldn't think of a reason for Hulk to be there. And there's really no reason for it's him to since they're on. not a team. Pretty cool pinup at the end of them as a team, though. Yep. I think Steve Englehart may have drawn that. Oh, really? He got his start trying to be an artist at Marvel instead of a writer and then ended up becoming a writer instead. But the fact that the pinup is signed by Steve and Sal, Hmm. I think that may have been a collaboration. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, see? Steve and Sal. Hmm. Which also explains why the Hulk looks really weird in it. Whoa, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a Sal Buscema face, but not a total Sal Buscema face. It's kind of a weird Hulk image. Hmm. But we do see that... Yeah, Silver Surfer seems like he's more of a team right team member right now, mm-hmm. which I keep forgetting to what ex- how long he stuck around with them. But uh, kind of happy to see him aboard. There's a funny scene in there too where Valkyrie is like explaining their team dynamic, and Namor is like, "I really wish she just wouldn't do that." Yeah, stop saying we're a team. She's the only person there that is just like, "No, we're a team." Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that she seems to be winning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, well, hey. Six issues in. It's like, okay, guys, yeah, we're not a team. We just hang... We're just a bunch of superheroes who hang out and save the world together all the time. Sure, not a team. Anyway, Mm. explain to me how this fork works. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a nice role reversal because Namor is the little mermaid, but she's the one who needs to have, like, the surface world explained to her. Hmm? I was just thinking about the song at the beginning of The Little Mermaid. I'm not... Super familiar with that. Swimming around, you can't get too far. Legs are required for... Ah, shit. Used to know more of that song. <laughs> you want thingamabobs? I've got 20. I'm, ha- I'm pleased. Yeah. 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 It's a pretty good song. Okay. I like musicals a lot more than you do. You sure do. Yeah. Most people like musicals a lot more than you do. That's also true. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Ah, you're missing out. At the end of this issue, it had kind of a weird Tony Robbins message to it. Like, as he makes his farewell to it, Cyrus goes off into the world and is like, man, I was able to do this because I believed in myself to do it. 
but I don't believe in myself enough, and that's why I never win. Maybe I'll try again, or maybe I won't. But, like, there is that real Space Jam Michael secret stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the power was in me all along. Uh-huh. I will say, the song from Space Jam, Hit Em High, is, is so, so fucking good. It is dope. It is legitimately one of my favorite songs. I still put it on mixtapes. It's, okay, so it's Be Real, Buster Rhymes, Coolio, because an early 90s song <laughs> LL Cool J and Method Man and it's great I love it I love the part in it where LL Cool J shit talks Michael Jordan about basketball <laughs> Man, a if you can get LL Cool J to do a song for your movie and incorporate elements of the story of the movie into your song just do it man that yeah. needs to happen a lot more often like you got your Deep Blue Sea you got your Space Jam. Man, I love LL Cool J. Overlooked. What movie do you think would most benefit from having LL Cool J sing a song at the end explaining what had just happened in that movie? Is it a multiple choice question or do I just get to tell you? You just get to tell me. Uh, I'm going to go with Inception. Ooh. I'm going to go with Zardoz. I still haven't seen that. I, you I, really should, because I need somebody to write a rap song explaining what happened <laughs> in that movie to me. And if it could be all Cool J, that would be great. Okay. But yeah, no, Inception would be a good choice, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that it was like super confusing, but I would like to hear what he has to say about it. Mm-hmm. And to talk shit about it. I think he people. has some thoughts. I think so, too. Now... Or The Dark Crystal. Oh, man. Okay, so if he was doing a rap song about The Dark Crystal... What would he rhyme with Skeksy? <laughs> it's sexy. I know. But it just sounds... It's so wrong. Yeah. Well, maybe he would provide it as a counterpoint. Not. Yeah. See? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's how this rap thing works. I get it. I get it. It can. It can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, who? what movie would you like LL Cool J to explain to you through verse? I cannot think of a movie that I wouldn't want LL Cool J to do that about. And to have him, like, pick a protagonist in the movie that he raps from the point of view of. Mm-hmm. Or an antagonist, I think, is generally the case. Mm. Like in Deep Blue Sea, he's a super shark. Does he rap at the end of that? Or is it, is he in the soundtrack for it, as well as being an actor Corey, in the movie? are you unfamiliar? I've watched the movie, but I can't remember the music. Oh my god, Corey! What? Deepest, bluest, my hat is like a shark's fin. Deepest, bluest, my hat is like a shark's fin. (laughs) Okay, okay. It's coming back. The whole song is wrapped from the point of view of one of the super intelligent sharks. I somehow... Corey! I I will go do my homework and... Oh uh, my god. If I can make one recommendation. Hmm. Fill your brazier with that's why I don't remember who sang the song in the first place, man. Well, it doesn't have to be the very powerful Jamaican incense that will protect you from Doctor Strange. Okay. Just the regular Jamaican incense. Okay. We have gotten the slightest bit off topic here. Uh, Was there anything else about the issue that you wanted to bring up? Deepest bluest shark hat? No, I'm good. Okay. Well then, Rick, you want to sing us into the minutiae? One, two, three. We got minutia. It's not the biggest part, it's just minutia. Like Corey eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. Thanks, Rick. Indeed, thank you. What clothing did you want to comment on? There was less to go on in terms of new 
interesting duds being introduced into I this. I think otherwise, my friend. But my choice is the enhanced Cyrus Black bad guy outfit when he comes back as a strong dude. Oh, you mean when he's dressed as the Black Knight, which confused the fuck out of me on the cover? Exactly. Yeah. His dream self is basically the Black Knight. It's like he saw the statue and he's like, <laughs> um, That's cool. a good look. That guy looks tough. Yeah, that, that was kind of interesting. And it is confusing on the cover because I really was just like, oh, shit, is that just a Black Knight? And I wonder if the whole choice of that being his dream self was to have a misleading cover. Yeah, I don't think so. No? You think he just thought it was a good look? Yeah, and like he's the incorporating elements and... of that into his dream. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Also, I, why didn't that freak Valkyrie out? I, well, I mean, I don't know why it would freak her out. She's got a crush on this dude that she met for like 15 minutes. Yeah, but did, wouldn't it have just been a, the strangest bit weird to be like, well, he's a statue, but there's a guy that looks like I think it might have been the strangest like bit weird. Yeah. Seems like it would be. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Sorry. Yeah, I, I guess that might have been a little bit weird for her. They're fighting in a dream, so there's a lot of shit that's weird. It, it was kind of weird for me, the fact that Doctor Strange was just like, oh, these are mythological beings. Those creatures don't exist. It's like... Well, everything else seems to fucking exist in this world. Like, you run into Dracula from time to time, but... Dude, he knows. This serpent of umami is... He's <laughs> the most delicious. He knows things, Hub, clearly. Well. The difference between real and not real. Um, he didn't know that. Namor knew that. Real and not real. Um, oh, monsters. Yeah, monsters. Yeah, so he's got a pretty decent monsters manual going out. Yeah. Yeah. Big one. I'm, I'm just saying, maybe it's fifth edition. He's got the fourth edition monster manual. He doesn't know that beholders aren't real. He needs to get up on his 5e. Yeah. Is that the uh, one that you're using for your, your yeah. game sing? Yep. I oh. just I just sounded so nerdy to myself. I winced, <laughs> actually. <laughs> It's okay. Clothing choices. Yeah, I the the clothing choices that I wanted to talk about are also Cyrus Black, but I want to go with his everyday costume. No, that hat. (laughs) How can you call yourself the devil incarnate when you look like a a a conehead with conehead ears? Okay, here's my theory. Okay, he is cosplaying as Dormammu. Oh, he is trying to simulate having his head on fire without having his head on fire. Like, he's a low-level guy, and he sees, like, this is the most powerful dude anyone's ever encountered. This dude with a flaming ski mask on his head. Mm -hmm. I can't quite figure out how to make my head catch on fire, so I'm just gonna, like, make this paper mache Pointy. Pointy flame hat, and I'll wear that around, and I think that's pretty good. He looks like a damn fool. He really does. Uh, But I, I... concocted the idea that it's just like, oh, he's trying to look like Dormammu mm-hmm. or Surtur or any of the other, like, flame-headed, super powerful dudes. And he can't quite pull it off, so I like that he's going with a practical effect for it instead of the CGI that everyone else is capable of. The other thing that's weird, and maybe it's just the Jamaican incense, but, like, he sleeps fully in that getup. Yeah. It's just so much work to put on, maybe he doesn't... I don't think he has a ton of clothes. And it's kind of cold. It looks like he's got a pretty ratty apartment. Mm -hmm. Like, he's got kind of a shitty bare apartment. He broke the only bong. (laughs) Like, I'm not that surprised the dude's sleeping with his clothes on. I don't think he can pay for heat. Oh, man. He needs to get his shit together. I think he does at the end of the the issue. I don't know. Like, I think that's where he's just like, maybe I'll try again. But you know what? Where's he going? Maybe not. Back to his parents' house? 
Yeah, maybe. Let's go live in their basement. I think he's going back to Hogwarts. Oh. That's probably it. Yeah. I'm gonna, gonna take some graduate courses. Change my first name a little bit. Yep. Yeah. But he just leaves his rat there. Oh, wouldn't you? Jesus, that would be so terrifying. Yeah, the, okay, the rat did try to eat him. But, I mean, that's his pet. You have to take care of your pets. But, yeah, I love that he just... He's still talking to his rat as he leaves. He's like, even in my imagination, they beat me. Even there, Nebuchadnezzar. Am I always to be second best? Am I always destined to lose? I must take a long look at myself. Maybe someday I'll try again. But then, maybe I won't. <laughs> Oh, I'm really feeling for the guy. Yeah. I kind of feel like he's the protagonist of this issue. I know. It's like Doctor Strange bullied him all these years, and he finally stands up to the bully yeah, and, and just he, gets his ass handed he, to him. And he worked out for, like, years and years and got did his best and tried his hardest, and then Doctor Strange defeated him again, kind of mostly without really noticing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just insult to injury. Fuck. Poor guy. That doesn't mean you should cosplay with a paper mache flame on your head, though. Don't do it. Yeah. It's a bad look. It is a bad look. What was your favorite sound effect? I had a few different sounds written down, but my favorite one is when the Silver Surfer flies his surfboard headfirst into the flame. That was cube. mine. Batoom! Oh, I had a different one when he did that. I had blam! <laughs> yeah, that was the backup. Batoom, blam. Yeah. Batoom, pretty good. Plam, I liked a little bit better. Plan, plan was the building exploding that he... Yes, when he finally time. pierced. Yeah. I liked that a lot. There's also one of the mythological beings that gets summoned up goes... <laughs> oh, I had a different one from a mythological being. Yeah. And it's the, the three-headed serpent and Valkyrie chops two of its heads off, but not the third one. And it says... Mist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a sound effect. That's dialogue. I know, but it was so snaky. It cracked well, me up. Yeah, that, even mythological snakes have difficulty with sibilant S's. Yeah. Yeah, I liked that three-headed snake guy. And I liked the mist. It's like, no, he she chopped off yeah. two of your heads. Yep. It reminded me of... I've been watching some of the young ones recently. Oh, does that hold up at all? Yes. Oh, good. It does. Uh, it, I mean, not all of it is great, but there's enough of it that's really funny. And particularly the part where I think it's Rick gets hit in the crotch with a cricket bat and says, ha ha, missed both my legs. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so funny. I really enjoyed that show as a young person. Yeah, I still really enjoy it. Hello, kitchen. My name's Neil, but you needn't bother remembering it, seeing as I'll probably be dead soon. Such a nihilistic hippie. Delightful. Although, yeah, you were cringing at sounding like a nerd earlier. I've just been quoting British... <laughs> I've just been quoting British comedies on my podcast about comic books. With the accent, too. Yes. So, uh... Cheers. Seeing as mist... <laughs> is not a sound effect and is, in fact, dialogue. What was your favorite dialogue? Um, you actually paraphrased it earlier. And because it was so, to my mind, out of character for the Silver Surfer, but I also really enjoyed it, him being almost ebullient. Eb yeah. Eb that's a hard word to say. Being very happy with his phrase and yes. bubbly-like. Yes. Effervescent. Of course, my friend. When the Silver Surfer is in the mood for people, he desires as many as possible nearby. <laughs> When Silver Surfer's making money, everybody's making money. Exactly. It was just, it just <laughs> warmed the cockles of my heart. It is, although it very much plays into, I don't know what is going on with the Silver Surfer. 
I, we had talked about him potentially having a cocaine problem. <laughs> that would make sense in this context. Oh. And that it's when he is not on it that his downs are lower. Ran out of magnanimous I, Yeah, I, I, I wish he'd just maybe... Learn to get high on life, man. Exactly. Exactly. Because you know what? The power to succeed is within him all along as long as he can believe in himself and what's he's and what he is doing there's no struggle that he can't triumph over no no i don't understand what you're saying Corey. yes i want you to focus i still don't i don't get the reference it's not a specific one. Oh, okay. It's, it's within the issue. That, that is what... It, it, it's like the power of positive thinking. This isn't my <laughs> choice for favorite dialogue, but when Namor is explaining what's been happening, apparently, as long as Black, wherever he really is, believed in what he was doing, it was real. He could have actually killed us all. But once he stopped believing, the effect was lost. And it's just, you know, as long as you believe in yourself, you can accomplish anything. Hmm. It's the power of positive thinking. Good to know. It's a real Tony Robbins uh, issue. I saw a billboard with that guy on it. He's coming to town. Yeah, Lisa's going to go hear him talk. I don't, I just, I don't know anything about him other than that. Oh, he's like a positive speaker guy. He's also a giant, like a literal giant. He's huge. That's interesting. He's he's a huge man uh, who's into the power of positive thinking. He really creeps me out. Lisa's getting a free ticket. Her her boss is like really into like power of positive thinking. Mm Mm-hmm stuff and so she's going kind of as a goof because hey this is crazy let me check I'll, I'll totally check this out sure I, I understand that but also i'm like a little bit concerned because it's like look this crazy cult leader is giving a speech people keep joining his cult i'm gonna hear what he has to say i'm worried lisa might join a cult what are you gonna do if that happens i don't know i'm gonna maybe try to get one of those uh Should join too probably well, no i'm not gonna join a cult Corey. no to like you know figure it out and then you know, Corey, no, that's, oh, that's like the lady who swallowed the fly. (laughs) So you can't just, no, no, no. You, you, you can't just go and keep sending people into the cult to get people out of the cult. That's, that's how cults get bigger. Oh, is it? I think so. Oh shit. That explains a lot. I mean, it's part of how, huh? Yeah, no, I'm not going to join the cult. I'll I'll maybe get one of those, uh, swirly, uh, I'll draw like a spiral on a coin. And I'll, like, hypnotize her. That's my plan. Anyway, uh, my favorite words were, and I I already read them, but I'm going to read them again. They're on page 14. Let us ignite this brazier of new Jamaican incense and retire for some well-deserved rest. If only Strange were a less honorable man. If only he would come to attack me. Then I would show him. The Jamaican incense always protects my person from any assault by the outside world. And this new lot is said to be particularly powerful. (laughs) (laughs) A minor villain in this is totally just hanging out in his apartment getting blazed. It tickles me. Yeah, it's ticklish. Yeah. Other than that, I, I also was amused by Doc Strange calling Zen Law Zion Law. But that was, I think, my favorite dialogue. So, what was your favorite panel? I It was kind of a toss-up for me, but I think I'm going to go with uh, what I call Jealous Namor on okay. page 13. I, I don't see it as that jealous. I see it as more haughty. <laughs> Just, that, is a, that is a fun panel, though. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I had been teaching this maiden of this sphere. That is fun. What was the other one? It was on page 26, and I call it Green Strange Getting Zapped. Ooh. 
Oh, I hadn't even really noticed that one. It's very psychedelic, and uh, and it's rare that we see Doctor Strange in such uh, agony and like he's in a really bad spot. Yeah, he's but it's it's very well drawn too. Yeah, that is right before Namor figures out what's going on. But yeah, no, that is a really nice panel. My favorite is a perspective shot that I call rat grab. Oh yeah, that and is, uh, I know exactly what you mean. That it's rat's so trying. weird, man. It, it's just. Cyrus reaching out and petting his pet rat or grabbing his pet rat. But the Nebuchadnezzar, the rat, is in the foreground and Cyrus is in the background, but he's reaching forward and so his hand looks huge. It's a really weird perspective shot, but it's kind of trippy and I really like it. And that rat is high as fuck because well, he's, he's standing sitting... on the brazier <laughs> i think he was eating some earlier yeah and the brazier hasn't been lit yet yeah that is a... my other favorite which is kind of cheating is i i really like the pinup at the end mm-hmm. although man hulk is hulk looks weird in that it's very jowly mm, kind of creepy so best defender worst offender who was in your opinion in this issue the best defender i think this one is pretty easy for probably both of us and that's uh namor for figuring all the shit out yeah he did a great job he did a great job i am giving my backup choice would be val for being so diplomatic in uh (laughs) telling the silver surfer thank you for sharing your views with me i was happy to be presented with them um Let's go. Yep. <laughs> she also does a nice job slicing off a couple monster heads. Yep. She repels some magic ladders. Yeah, yeah. She acquits herself. She does a pretty well, good job. But yeah, Namor figured all the shit out and really saved the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets my nod too. Conversely, who was the worst offender in this issue? I'm going to go with that in the literal sense. And this whole mess wouldn't have taken place if Strange hadn't been such a dick to uh, to Cyrus. <laughs> yeah. And so He and really then, gave him the high hat. Yeah. It's just, fuck, man. What a way to create problems, man. Yeah. So. And, that he, and he has not learned his lesson at all. I had the same one for pretty much the same reason. Plus, it really cracked me up that he's like, oh, I forget. I have to explain everything to you. This is the Silver Surfer. He comes from Zeon Law. Oh, Steve. No, he doesn't. For his casual inviting of more trouble for the other defenders and himself, and just, yeah, generally being an oblivious prick, Doctor Strange. It's agreed. Agreed. Well... Thank you so much for joining us, listeners. Uh, This was a lot of fun. This is a really fun issue, and uh, thanks for joining us for it. Coming up next week, we are going to be taking a look at a new Teen Titans issue, where we'll see what those creepy puppet fucks are up to. And then we will be back in two weeks with another Defenders issue, where, yeah, well, I guess we'll see how Silver Surfer fits in with the team. We'll see if the Hulk is back. I'm looking forward to that. Sounds good. Yeah, we got some really nice feedback about last week's issue. And uh, I want to thank everybody who took the time to write and say nice shit about my grandpa. I appreciate that. I'm always a little bit uncomfortable with sincerity. (laughs) (laughs) But it was was really gratifying to see how well you guys reacted. And um, you you guys are the best. Uh, I, I really appreciate your letting me talk about some stuff that was on my mind. Along similar lines, I went out and made myself and a couple of other people copies of every synopsis from the Teen Titan Wasteland years of this podcast. It's 60 episodes 
I made color copies of all of the covers of the Teen Titans issues, and then each one is followed by the synopsis that I wrote for the beginning of the show. I mostly made it just because I wanted to have a copy for myself, so I've got a copy. I have one copy left. I can't make a ton of copies of these because it's expensive, but I thought maybe we would try out a contest. So here's what I would like to have happen for this contest. Send me a picture of your ACLU card or send me a screen capture of you being thanked for donating to the ACLU or the Southern Poverty Law Center. And I'm going to enter your name into, I'm, I'm going to literally write it down on a piece of paper, put it inside a hat. Yep. Let's say two weeks from now, an episode two weeks from now, sure. I'm going to pull a name out of the hat and uh, yeah, you can win a copy of that. I'll, I'll, we'll both sign it for you sure. and we'll send it out and it's like a 200 page thing if, if it's something that you would like i'll take a picture of it it's quite nice He's i think it's modest. pretty cool and it's, it's a fun document to have if you enjoyed the uh, teen titan wasteland years and you can listen along and leaf through it <laughs> maybe fill your brazier with some jamaican <laughs> incense yeah and why don't you do that and i think that'll that'll be a nice way to do it and I, if you don't want that uh, I still would encourage you to donate to the Southern Poverty Law Center, the ACLU, or whatever charity you feel most strongly about. These are some scary times, and I'd really like if we can all rally together. And So thank you for listening. If you would like to get in contact with us and send your pictures to ttwasteland at gmail.com, you can find us on Facebook. We are up on Tumblr. If you want to leave us a review on iTunes, I'd also appreciate that. And we have a Patreon page that is patreon.com backslash ttwasteland. I really appreciate all you guys have done. You've been a wonderful community, and I'm so blessed to be a part of it with you. And thanks for listening. Yes. Anything else? That's that's good. All right. Hit it, boys. That's me not. And they knew it.